happens, you don't know that you're being ministered to right there. So receive, receive tonight. Receive the kiss from God that you're going to get tonight through Pastor Susan Folkler. Getting a little technical uh, support here, and <laughs> I may well need it. So, yeah, but after that worship tonight, I'm like, God, just, just keep it going. Because whatever you're doing in every heart, I just pray you just keep it going. And I brought a Kleenex up just because I may need it, too. <laughs> you probably won't need it, but I think I may need it. Ah, anyway, um, yeah, let's just um, want to talk tonight. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about how in the kingdom of heaven we learn to tap into our true identity. Because how many of you know how the world tries to tell you who you are looks so much different than what we do in the kingdom of our King and our Lord. We're, we step into eternity. We step into faith. We step into things that sometimes make no sense in the natural realm. The natural realm wants to bring everything down to a comprehensible and definable and measurable quantity to decide if we're okay or not. But how many of you know it's not like that at all with our God? Because we are his, we're enough. Period. That's kind of it. That's the end of the subject. And the more we get that as our reality, the better it becomes. And the more and more and more we believe it. So I was actually going to invite Yvonne Boitano to come up. And share a little bit of her story. Something that happened, she experienced recently that helped her get from that place of more, the world and how the world defined her uh, into no that some of that stuff isn't right god i'll let god decide who i am so so um actually i was going to kind of go back and she asked how i kind of got here sorry i need to see and um it was like really thinking about it and you're kind of going it's so funny to look back and you go, some of the things that were so good were also not so good and also kind of made us who we are. And I was thinking about my parents, and 
my parents really tried hard, and they were successful and fun-loving and good-looking, and they they were entertainers. They not entertainers on the other way, but like party goers and have everybody come over and that kind of stuff, and really busy with their careers and stuff. But my mom was one of the very first data processors, and my dad was my dad was <laughs> Mike in the mouth, and um, he 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 worked full time and he went to school full time, always improving, but. He also was a Marine, and so every Saturday we got the white glove inspection, <laughs> and it taught this little girl how to entertain, how to have to look perfect, how to have to be perfect, how to perform, and it wasn't, I don't think I was ever in my whole life asked how I felt. I was always, it was what happened on the outside, and so it was kind of like perfectionism, performance, keeping all the rules, you know. If you did that, then just maybe, you wouldn't have consequences because my consequences were pretty severe for not doing it good. And I remember, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but I remember seeing Shirley Temple and I was like, I wonder if she feels like I do sometimes that you have to be on all the time and your hair has to be perfect and, and everything's just, you know, da-da-da. And it was like, but I always felt like I was just dancing as fast as I could. I mean, I just kept on trying and it, it, it was going nowhere real fast. I learned how to talk to people in just a couple sentences. I would kind of know what you needed from me, and I would become that. I mean, in high school, it was like whether I was to be the cheerleader or the jock or the brainiac or the nerd, I could do that because I knew how to do chameleon really good. That's how I survived in life. I was jack of all trades but master of none. And I, I knew there was more to life than that. I knew there was more to life than... Oh, well, I'm kind of running ahead of myself, but I, what I had to do was, if I could please you, then just maybe, just maybe, you wouldn't take out your anger and frustration out on me. And that just was kind of how you learn to survive in this world. The struggle to be perfect took a lot of toll in my life at, through food and alcohol and depression and self-hatred, and I was left with, like, no peace at all. I was constantly second-guessing. I don't know if you guys do that, but it's like, did you just say that right? Maybe you're on the wrong top. You know, am I having a bad hair day? I mean, everything was nitpicked and unmercifully so. I mean, and the older I got, the more stuffing the emotions ended up having a lot of physical side effects. I ended up with a lot of physical illnesses because of it. And I was being raised to not feel or not trust or not think. So I had no clue who I was. I remember standing in the kitchen one day and somebody said, what's your favorite color? And I went, Wow. My husband likes this color car, this color shirt, this color towel. My kids like this. But I, I mean, I remember a tear just coming down my eyes and I went, I have no clue. I mean, I seriously had no clue whatsoever what I wanted, what I didn't want, what I liked, what I didn't like. And I knew there was more to life than just surviving. You talked about the deep well, and I, there were so many times, I don't know how about you guys, but you feel like you're in a pit, and you're digging with, you know, bloody fingernails to get to the top, and then you fall back down again. And it's like, this is not life. So what shifted? I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. <laughs> yes. And one of the scriptures that I just hung on to was, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the praise of my mouth. And I think of that, and it's like, I don't know why, but I knew that I knew that I knew that he saved me. So somewhere along the line, he was also going to heal me. And it was just like, okay. And I learned that the older you get, 
anything that's unresolved is like a beach ball that you're trying to hold down in the water, you know? So it's funny you brought up beach balls today. And it was like unhealed hurts, unmet needs, unresolved issues. And all of a sudden, you get so, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired. And those beach balls just start popping up and popping up and popping up. So you kind of go, oh, crud. I thought I had that hidden, and I didn't. But the scripture that I hung on to is when the disciples are running and Jesus is asleep on the boat and they're going, but the storm, the storm is going to get us. And he said, peace. And I was like, God, if you could do that to the oceans and the seas, you can do that to what's going on inside of me. And I was just so thankful. But becoming a Christian, my ability to function and be perfect and perform went kind of into hydrodrive. So I went, read the Bible every year. I memorized all the scriptures. I was in when the doors open and out when the doors closed. And I tried it all. I did, I did try it all. I even went to counseling and Santray and EMDR and all that kind of stuff. And none of it was in vain. I'm going to say none of it was in vain. It wasn't. It gave me a really good, solid foundation. But the change really came for me just a couple years ago. I mean, at HeartSync, Sozo. And I remember being in, well, I, I'm going to say that's how it started, and also having a pastor who loves me. Pastor Brent you and Suzanne, you guys are awesome. And I remember going up to you, you poor thing, the stuff we say to you, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I was like going, you love me more than I love me. And I didn't know where to put that. I, di I didn't have a grid to put that in. But it opened up my heart to let God come in. Because if he could do that for you, then maybe he could do that for me too. No, I know he could do that for me now. But And it made it safe to get out of my head a little bit into my heart. And that I could look inside. And that the anger and the frustration and stuff wasn't evil. Thank you, Miss Susan. Yes, for awesome sozo. But I, I was terrified of what was inside of me. So how do you live when you, you're scared of yourself, you know, and that war's going on inside? So I thought that was e awesome. But what's changed? I'm like, you know, I give myself a break every now and then. I'm not so uptight. And like even doing this, it's like I'm doing it for him now. You know, I spent my whole life saying, what's going to make Russ happy? What's going to make Susan happy? What's going to make Brenton happy? I mean, it's like... No, hopefully, Lord willing, my prayer, that if I do it to the best of my ability unto him, one in you guys is going to be touched by that. So it's not on or off, black or white. You know, it's not extreme. It's a bunch of us bumping into each other, Lord willing, going from glory to glory. And I know, isn't that awesome? But I think one of the biggest things was the peace. When I was in North Carolina, and I, we were sitting out on the porch and... Um, that's the first time I had run into Andy Miller, and um, the horses are eating the, the apple trees, and it was just absolutely beautiful. But I remember there was somebody with me, and I went, what is that? What is that? And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, it's quiet. I had never known peace before. I had never known what it felt like to have quiet inside of me. There was just so much, and it was just so incredibly awesome. So... I, I mean, I guess I just encourage that God does take us. He does change us. He gives us peace. Life, I'm not a victim anymore that life is just knocking me around. I participate in life now. I have a choice, and you guys do too. I think the thing that really came to me, and I've been able to share this with a couple of people, I'm loved just like I am, just where I'm at. And where there's a void, his Holy Spirit's going to come, and the good work he's begun in you and me and all of us out here, 
he's going to complete it. We don't have to try harder or perform better. He's going to give it to us. And I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, wow. Thanks, Yvonne. I'm like feeling inspired and encouraged. Wow, okay. I hadn't heard the whole story there. That was, yes, thank you. That's, and isn't that true? Can't we all relate with at least something she was sharing tonight where we can realize, we can look back and go, huh, I have come somewhere. And there, I am going somewhere. I haven't fully arrived yet. I don't think we're going to ever fully arrive, probably not till we're face to face to him. But this is the glory, and this is our joy, to continue to discover him more and more as we discover ourselves more and more. So, it worked. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, I am just such a techie person. So, we, <laughs> we are going to talk about recognizing our true identity tonight. So, I want to just pray to start. Jesus I thank you. You already know in fullness who each and every person who's listening to this right now, each and every one of us, you know who we are. You know who we are with eyes that are pure and holy and clear. You see us as we were intended to be from before the beginning of time. You want us. You desire us. I thank you for the unique qualities in each one here, God. The things maybe we're pleased about, maybe the things we aren't so pleased about, they're all the fullness of who we are, God. Coming more and more into an understanding that you are for us, that you are with us, that you are in us. And you want to participate and partner with us in every moment of our days. Truly, we breathe you in and we breathe you out. We live and breathe and move in your spirit, God. And you are excited about our lives. I pray you give each one of us a revelation of how much you believe in each and every one of us. You believe in the uniqueness. We thank you, God, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, just a couple thoughts. If God were to paint a portrait of you, would you be able to recognize yourself? Would you be able to recognize what he says about you and how he sees you? Or we look in the mirror and we just see what's wrong and we see what's missing. And he says, well, I see what's missing, but that's where I want to fill you. Right there, that void, just like Yvonne was talking about. Because how many of you know, we were all born with a void inside. That void for relationship, that void for connection. And we only fully get it met with him. So it's going to be a journey, an experience, an exploration to come into an ever-deepening, revelating revelation of exactly how it works. Because most of us, we, well... None of us were raised in perfect families that had it right all the time. There were misses. In the best of families, there were misses and disconnects. And sometimes we had big, big misunderstandings of who we are and sometimes little. 
And how many of you know you get saved and you get some great revelations, but then the revelation continues, doesn't it, to expand and increase from glory to glory, like Yvonne just said. That is the way God wants it. That is the way he planned it and intended it. Because, you know, if he made us like zap, you're done. Here's your destiny. Here's your purpose. Do you know how many of us would just stop connecting with him on a regular basis? And how many of us would take stuff for granted? Just take take it all for granted? It's just kind of human nature. So he knows. I mean, we have to learn how it is to partner with him in becoming our true selves. And it's, it's okay to need to learn. There's nothing wrong with needing to learn this thing. It's the most profound thing, I think, about us. You know, as we've learned through doing sozo and inner healing stuff, almost every deep-seated wounding goes back to an identity crisis one way or another. Addictions and bad habits, bad decisions, everything. If you take it back to the root of the root of the root of it, it tends to go back to who, how you feel about yourself and who you think you are. Nobody wakes up and think, I think I'll just start, you know, drinking. Or It doesn't happen like that. It happens for a deep-seated reason. And the yearning and the desire of your heart to have purpose, to have an identity, is good and it's God-given. So that ache in there is not to frustrate you. It's so that he can answer you and he can show you the way. The world does not see us as we really are. This is like a funhouse mirror. Anybody ever been in a funhouse? How do you know when uh, <laughs> it's all warped and twisted? Well, really, when you look at the, wor- at the world, when you open up the Internet and see what it has to say about people, it is skewed, it is warped, it is twisted. It's all about comparing this person to that, comparing people to some imaginary standard out there somewhere, judging people tearing them down, and that's kind of what we often, what the world would raise us on. But how many of you know, we weren't born like that. We were not born like that, with that sort of mentality. Children, when they're really young, I mean, I can remember being really, really, really young, and just having such a passion for life, and for a desire to to be something, to do something, that my life would matter. And I had to sort of, over time, unlearn that is what happened. And I think that happens to so many of us. My oldest son, Nathan, when he was, I think, two or three, like so many kids, he was into superheroes. And, of course, this is way back when, before X-Men and all that. This is back in the day, back in the day of Ninja Turtles and things like that. How many can even remember? I know, I think they've kind of redone those things, right? Ninja Turtles. But at least there was, let's see, there was probably Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and, okay. So he loved his T-shirts that had Batman and Superman and Spider-Man or what. He just loved those. He just loved those. There was like this identity thing. Because when he put that on, he was Superman. He was Batman. Yeah. And he had, he had one little Batman uh, pajama thing that had a cape on it. Oh, he loved that. Oh, I love that. Or he'd put his, his blankie went around his neck to be, you know, have, have a cape. Yeah. So it would be a, cri- a bit of a crisis in our household when all those shirts were dirty at the same time. It's like, 
staying. Uh, let's see. So I, I had one of those brilliant moments, you know, when the kids are really little, you actually are smarter than them for a little while. Look, Nathan, you can wear this striped shirt and be striped man. Well, that worked for a couple months, I think, until it's like didn't work anymore. He got a little, he got a little, he got a little smarter than me at that point. But you know, kids want to be something, and I don't think we ever lose that. It just gets sort of dusty and stale, and um, discouragement sets in. The heart gets sick when we get to, when hope is deferred. When hope is when we hope and dream and imagine we can be something and it doesn't happen, we start getting discouraging and our heart stops wanting to hope. We go to school and we get, start getting grades and we learn to compare each other or in our family upbringing, we start comparing, are told to compare, like why aren't you more like your sister, your brother, why aren't you more like that kid down the street? And we start thinking that's the way it should be. We should be able to compare ourselves to other people and always feel better than, our, than them. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10.12, that it's not wise to compare ourselves at all and judge ourselves. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We compare ourselves one to another. I am saying, I can compare myself to you and decide whether or not I'm okay. So I am deciding there is a standard by which I can measure everything about me. That's the world system. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It implies that there's enough. If only you were talented enough, if only you were skilled enough, if only you were smart enough, that there is enough somewhere. And how many of you know these sort of natural talents aren't measured that way? They're measured by God as in terms of their uniqueness and their flavors and their essence of who you are. And for each and every one of us, it looks different. We get up here and prophesy. Is there a best prophet in the house? No, it's different people prof prophesy different ways and different flavors. They see visions. They pray in unique ways in different ways. It's not like there's a best or a better. It's there's flavors of uniqueness, and that's the way the kingdom of heaven operates. Yes, we're all coming more and more into a likeness and a revelation of who Jesus is to us. But it's not be becoming best. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not the way the world would say that you can somehow measure it or put a notch up somewhere and decide you've, you've arrived, you've gotten there. Comparison, if we want to think about our superheroes again, comparison each other, comparing each other, judging each other is like kryptonite to our identity. It tears us down and completely derails us. When I compare myself to someone else, I decide there's a mold, there's a pattern. And if I can make myself look like that, I'm going to be okay. Remember what Yvonne was talking about, about trying to be who thinks she thinks everybody else wants her to be. The truth is, each one of you is a unique person. 
unmatched. You've never existed before. Who you really are has never existed before. Look at, look at God's creation. I, I think I was reading something about finding the Finding Nemo movie, the um, animated movie with the, Under the Sea and all those animals. There's something like 2,000 different fish and things they had in that movie. Well, that's just a fraction of the number of animals that really exist, the fish and whatnot that live under the sea. If God likes that kind of creation when it comes to animals, look around at all the people. Every single one of you in this room looks different, thinks different, feels different, um, views the world a little different, connects with God a little bit differently. That's how he created us, to be unique. So you can't look at someone else and decide, um, if I could only be just like that, I'm going to be good. We can inspire one another, can't we? We can inspire one another and say, oh, I love, I just love the way that, oh, when they're up there worshiping, how they're just getting lost. I love that. But you can't mold yourself after that person. It's not going to work for you. You get to be your own person, and that's what's beautiful to the Lord. Because loving, uh, living our lives... When we compare and judge, it creates a soul that's like a dry and weary place. You pour water on it. Yeah, you can, comparing. I know, because I've been stuck myself. Spent a lot of years, a lot of years, a lot of years comparing and judging myself relentlessly. Um, so I was born, like I mentioned a, little, mentioned a little earlier, I was born, I could really get in touch when I was really young, maybe, uh, you know, a young toddler with just having a lot of passion and a lot of joy. And I remember loving to, to run and explore things. And I just had this drive. I wanted to try new things and I wanted to do things I really wasn't quite able to do yet, but I, I had all this passion. I was very precocious, wanted to learn new things. But because, well, just various things, because of my family, my mom didn't know what to do with that. She wasn't raised in a very healthy environment. She had no idea what to do with it. So it was always, would you just go to your room and be quiet and play with dolls? I'm like, I don't want to play with dolls. I don't like dolls. I want to go outside and climb trees. But it was just things like that. I was told that who I really was, there was something wrong. It was only just not thinking, not not, not being very aware in my family. It wasn't because they were being evil or cruel. They just had no idea that with a little bit of nurture, it, yeah, I really could have done some amazing things, but they didn't know how to do that, how to encourage that. It was outside their realm or experience because they didn't know how to respond at all. Problem, another problem we run into is we get messages that if we ever make a mistake, it's the end of the world. Your life is over. You made a mistake. You know that's not the kingdom of heaven either. Did you know that? Kingdom of heaven talks, uh, the scriptures talk a lot about having weakness. And But when we are weak, we are strong. What is that all about? The more we realize we have weakness, weaknesses or empty places or disconnects, the more we get the revelation, ah, I could use your help here, God. I could use your help here. And we get strong. And we get capable. 
and we learn to lean and depend on him. It's not God's looking out for our flaws to see what's wrong and what's messed up about you. He's looking for, that looks like a great spot for you to connect with me and see how we could do this together. So my identity growing up, because I was, again, constantly being told, why don't you be more like your sister? Um, go away. Don't talk. Go away. Go to your room. Um, nothing, it was like nothing about me was ever celebrated. Yeah, I did really well in school. I did, was pretty well, did well athletically, but it was like that wasn't even seen or didn't exist. It was the things that were important to them didn't, weren't the things that were important to me, so I just felt, started feeling like, well, I am a problem, and I just need to stay out of the way. It took years <laughs> for me to get to the place of starting to realize, you know, somebody could actually be honest when they say they want to see me or enjoy being with me. It took a lot of years for me to get to that place of realizing. I think they're, and being here at this church helped that a lot too. Where I, I think they actually want to talk to me and want to enjoy me and not just, you know, use me for something to benefit them. I think in all honesty, they like me. Wow. It's not just duty to love because we Christians are good at loving, right? That's what we're supposed to do. But we actually learn when it's really genuine love. I love myself so well that I have plenty of love to reach out towards you and bring you into that love. It's not about what you can do for me. It's not about you entertaining me or telling me the greatest story in the world. It's because I'm enjoying myself and I'm being with and, and loving on myself. We enjoy that love two-way together. The love of God flowing through us like that river, that river that never runs dry. It is a river that fills. It's not falling on dry weary land that can't hold any water. God sees each and every one of us as we really are. Perfect clarity as he designed us to each be from before you even existed. Here's a familiar scripture Jeremiah 29.11. You probably all know this one by heart. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I took that scripture and I looked at it with my concordance. I love my concordance. It sometimes is very helpful to start, you know, look at the Hebrew or the Greek, and in this case, it's the Hebrew, and, okay, what does that word there really say? because sometimes um, there's a deeper meaning. So when I took those, look at those words, I know the thoughts. I know. I yada the thoughts. Yada, one of my favorite Hebrew words. I am no Hebrew scholar, by the way, but I know, I know a couple things. <laughs> I yada. I know you experientially, God says. I know you. I taste you. I see you. I smell you. I move with you. It's, I, it's the most intimate 
word. It's intimate, intimate knowing. Like a husband and a wife, I know you. I'm with you. <laughs> he doesn't know about you. He just doesn't know your thoughts from afar. He's within you, experiencing you right now. He is. He's sitting inside of you, smelling you, tasting you, thinking you. Woo. Yeah? That's pretty intimate, isn't it? But that's what he's doing. I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know them. I feel them. So when I looked at the different Hebrew words, scripture looks a little more like this and interpreted them with my concordance. I have plans for you. Plans that I not only see like a blueprint, but I feel. They're 3D to me. They're an experience to me. The plans I have for you are an experience to me. And they were established before you ever came into existence that will result in a harmonious state of your soul involving the full development of your faculties and powers. God wants you to live fulfilled. Did you know that? He didn't want you to just kind of walk, barely make it, surviving in this world. He wanted you to live fulfilled. That is his heart's desire for you, satisfied and fulfilled, and knowing that your life matters, that you would be missed if you weren't here, that it's not just what you do, but it's who you are that would be missed. Yeah? Because it's who you are that really matters. And that's really kind of what I'm going to be focusing on here more and more. It's who you are that really, truly matters. I had some years back, I had a um, uh, visitation, I guess would be the best way to call it, a visitation of the Lord where he came and he, he talked to me about my destiny and um, made very clear what my purpose was in life, which is astounding, but... Um, I think he knew I was going to have a hard time hearing it if, I didn't, if he didn't make it really clear. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. Um, and he said, in that visitation, he said, I want you to learn how to live from the core of your being, and I want you to teach other people to do that too. And that's, um, and I, I, I know we do that in Heartseek, so, so we do stuff like that, but I know it's way bigger than that. That every day of your life, the big things, the little things you do in life, he wants you to live fulfilled. And how many of you know the doing, the doing, the trying, even the wonderful stuff we do with our talents and our abilities, it's good. There's nothing wrong with those things at all, but they're never going to be fully fulfilling. Because the next day, you'll be like, I need something more. Right? Never quite enough. No matter how talented or gifted you are, it's never, or smart, or how many letters you have after your name, or who you know, it's never going to fulfill you. It's got to come from your true heart. It's got to come from that place where he inhabits in you, you and him and him and you. And in that experience where he talked to me about living from the core of my being, he said, and this is for you all, too. And you are going to live in freedom. 
We were talking a bit today about being childlike again. And I can remember being a little kid. And I loved to run and run as fast as I could, sometimes with my eyes closed, sometimes not, just because... It was the closest thing I could get to experience flying. I wanted to fly. I wanted to fly. That's, that felt like flying. <laughs> and we're never supposed to lose that, that feeling of flying, that feeling of being free, the feeling of, of play. How about it being a child at play? Your whole world opens up before us. He wants our life as adults to be like play. And yes, there's going to be hard things. And yes, we're going to have to work at stuff. And yes, sometimes it's not going to be our first choice. But the true heart of who you are is going to be very fulfilled when you start walking in the stride of your true heart. So freedom, he said, you're going to feel free. You're going to feel free like there are no boundaries or limitations for you. And you're going to be fulfilled. You're going to just feel satisfied in your soul that you are enough. You are enough. You don't have to try and add something. You don't have to try and prove something. You're enough. Being you is enough. Absolutely. And the third one, might kind of surprise you, kind of surprised me. He actually, he said, fun, and it's going to be fun. He wants our true destiny to be fun for us, enjoyable, exciting. That's what he wants. Yeah, there's going to be hard work. Yeah, it's gonna, there's going to be failures and times it doesn't work so well. But he wants the flavor and the general, just the, the groove of what you're walking in to be fun. And if it's not, you're not living from your true heart yet. Okay? I just want to say that. I believe that's true for all of us. And you, I want to also say one other thing I had out of that experience. There were four angels watching over the core of my being, my true heart, which I believe is spirit. Soul, I don't know how it all works. It's, it's a bit of a mystery to me. He said, this is protected. I sent these four angels have always protected it. None of you, none of you, none of you have lost your true destiny and your true calling. God has protected it. And yeah, are there some things that might need to be moved out of the way to be able to start walking in it? Yes, very likely. That's been true. For, that's true for all of us in one way or another. But God cares about your true heart more than you do. He has protected it. He has sent guards to watch over that. It's not lost. Just resurrected because that's what he does. He's in the business of resurrection, isn't he? <laughs> See, only God sees the fullness of who you really are, huh? We expect to see the same old, same old, and he looks back and he goes, oh, no, 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 you have not begun to know who you really are and what you're really capable of and how good it could be. And there's something I want to sort of tease out of this here, and I hope I can, I can bring this forth. Um, Song of Solomon 4.15 says this 
You are a fountain in a garden, a well of living waters and flowing streams from Lebanon. You are a fountain in a garden. You're a well of living waters. This is the Lord speaking to you. You are flowing streams from Lebanon. You are far more than the sum of what you can do. You are not a collection of gifts and talents and abilities and an intelligence level and a certain skill set, educational level. That is not who you are. That is not who you are. You are a being who is experienced, inhabited, valued, and treasured by God. That is who you are. Those talents and abilities, those are like apples out on the end of the limb, right? The limb of the tree. They are not the tree. The tree is who you are, your trunk, your, your roots grow deep into the heart of God. And they are not, it is not what you can do that brings you value and worth. That's world system. World system says that. I'm just asking God to wash our minds even tonight to get rid of that world system. What we do is a consequence of what's flowing out of our heart. That's all. It's what's going on in our heart. It's out of the, the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks. It's out of the fullness of a heart we do anything. Too many of us are trying to do our doing from out, out there on the surface. Yeah, Yvonne? That's exactly what she was talking about. Exhausting, discouraging, putting on a front funny face, you know, try, getting up the next day trying again. It's exhausting, and it doesn't work, and it never fulfills. God's heart for you is absolutely to, to live the most fulfilled life you could ever imagine. That's what he wants for you. Because after all, you fulfill him, being you right now. You fulfill him. You are not a dry and weary land that has no water. I'm just going to read this. This is Isaiah 35. And this is who you are to the heart of God. Shall the lame man leap like a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for joy, for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and the burning sand and the mirage shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. This is very cool. I like this. <laughs> and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy, shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Your place of God's habitation. You're a place he comes and he walks in and he dwells in and life is flowing. Life flows through you, in you. You get to experience that life flowing through you and flows out to the world. That's his idea of your destiny and purpose here while you're living on this planet. You're a place 
that pours out water, pours out refreshment, pours out life wherever you go. As you allow him more and more access to your true heart, it's become more and more and more a reality. Because it's all about, I belong to him, and therefore I am someone. It is not. I am doing and trying to become someone. I belong to him. And that gives me worth. And that gives me purpose. I do not have to try hard, prove anything, or make anything happen to confirm that I have worth and value. Okay. I have one more here. One more slide, one more scripture. We have intrinsic value because we are chosen by him to be his. He chose you before you could even think about wanting God in your life. He already chose you. Before you had a clue, he chose you. He wanted you. He needed you. He yearned for you. He called you into this place. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and without blame. Before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good measure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Think about that just a moment. If you were to stand before God holy and without blame, isn't that enough? Doesn't that make you enough? Holy, holy. And we say holy to him and he says, holy. You are holy and without blame. You are holy without, without blame. I choose to look at you with, which, with the clarity and the love and the adoration with which I looked upon my son. That's how I look on you. Don't look on you like the world looks on you. I look with pure eyes, liquid, pure eyes of tender, compassionate love. That's how I look on you. That's how I look on you. I look on you saying, you are nothing. I chose you to be you. I chose you to be you. I chose you to be you. And you're enough. It's good. We have enough time. I'm going to do, I want to do one more thing. I'm going to read a little article. Believe it or not, this is Reader's Digest. I'm going to read an article from Reader's Digest. This is one of their most popular and requested articles ever, and I want to just talk about this because I uh, read it from this because I think it does a... Um, a great illustration of what this looks like for God to step into our life and show us something about who we are that we might never have been able to see before. called The Night I Met Einstein. And if you like it, some of you probably read it, but it's actually on, online. I think you can look at this online if you want. It's a true story. And this took back, I think, back in the 60s, maybe. This is when this took place. 
When I was a very young man, just beginning to make my way, I was invited to dine at the home of a distinguished New York philanthropist. After dinner, our hostess led us to an enormous drawing room. Other guests were pouring in, and my eyes beheld two unnerving sights. Servants were arranging small gilt chairs in the long, neat rows, and up front, leaning against the wall, were musical instruments. Apparently, I was in for an evening of chamber music. I use the phrase in for because music meant nothing to me. I am almost tone deaf. Only with great effort can I carry the simplest tune, and serious music was to me no more than an arrangement of noises. So I did what I always did when trapped. I sat down, and when the music started, I fixed my face in what I hoped was an expression of intelligent appreciation, closed my ears from the inside, and submerged myself in my own completely irrelevant thoughts. After a while, becoming aware that the people around me were applauding, I concluded it was safe to unplug my ears. <laughs> At once, I heard a gentle but surprising, surprisingly penetrating voice on my right. You are fond of Bach? I knew as much about Bach as I knew about nuclear fission, but I did know one of the most famous faces in the world with a renowned shock of untidy white hair and the ever-present pipe between the teeth. I was sitting next to Albert Einstein. Well, I said uncomfortably and hesitated. I had been asked a casual question. All I had to do was to be equally casual in my reply. But I could see from the look in my neighbor's extraordinary eyes that their owner was not merely going through the motions, the perfunctory duties of elementary politeness. Regardless of what value I placed on my part in the verbal exchange, to this man his part in it mattered very much. After all, I could feel that this was a man to whom you did not tell a lie, no matter how small. I don't know anything about Bach, I said awkwardly. I have never heard any of his music. A look of perplexed astonishment washed across Einstein's mobile face. You have never heard Bach? He made it sound as though I'd never taken a bath. <laughs> it isn't that I don't want to like Bach, I replied hastily. It's just that I'm tone deaf or almost tone deaf, and I've never really heard anybody's music. A look of concern came into the old man's face. Please, he said abruptly, you will come with me. He stood up and took my arm. I stood up, and he led me across that crowded room. I kept my embarrassing glance fixed on the carpet. A rising murmur of puzzled speculation followed us out into the hall. Einstein paid no attention to it. Had his issues of fear of man dealt with, hadn't he? He was not concerned about what anybody else thought. Resolutely, he led me upstairs. He obviously knew the house well. On the floor above, he opened the door into a book-lined study, drew me in, and shut the door. Now, he said, with a small troubled smile, you will tell me, please, how long have you felt this way about music? All my life, I said, feeling awful. I wish you could go that back downstairs and listen, Dr. Einstein. The fact that I don't enjoy it doesn't matter. 
Einstein shook his head and scowled as though I had introduced an irrelevance. Tell me, please, he said, is there any kind of music that you do like? Well, I answered, I like songs that have words. And the kind of music I can follow, where I can follow the tune, he smiled and nodded, obviously pleased. You can give me an example, perhaps? Well, I venture, I, almost anything by Bing Crosby. He nodded again, briskly, good. He went to a corner of the room, opened a phonograph, and started pulling out records. At last, he beamed, ah, he said. He put the record on. In a moment, the study was filled with relaxed, lilting strains of Bing Crosby's. Bing, Bing Crosby. After three or four phrases, he stopped the phonograph. Now, will you tell me, please, what you just heard? The simplest answer seemed to be seeing the lines. I did just that, trying desperately to stay in tune and keep my voice from cracking. The expression on Einstein's face was like the sunrise. You see, he cried with delight, you do have an ear. I mumbled something about this being one of my favorite songs and something I'd heard hundreds of times. Nonsense, said Einstein. It proves everything. Do you remember your first arith arithmetic lesson in school? Suppose that your very first contact with numbers, your teacher had ordered you to work out a problem, say long division or fractions. Could you have done so? No, of course not. Precisely, Einstein, Einstein said, with a triumphant wave with his pipe. It would have been impossible, and you would have reacted in panic. You have already closed. You would have already closed your mind to long division and fractions. As a result, because of that one mistake by your teacher, it is possible your whole life you would have been denied the beauty of long division and fractions. The, pi the pipe stem went up and down in another wave, but on your first day, no teacher would be so foolish. He would start with elementary things. And so it is with music. Einstein picked up the Bing Crosby record. Now we go on to something more complicated. He found another record and set it going. After a few lines, he stopped the record. So will you sing that back to me, please? I did with a surprising degree of accuracy. Einstein stared at me with a look on his face I have seen only once before in my life. On the face of my father, as he listened to me deliver the valedictory address at my high school graduation ceremony. Excellent, Einstein remarked when I finished, wonderful. Now this, and this turned out to be Caruso. To me was a completely unrecognizable opera. <laughs> Nevertheless, I managed to reproduce it, an approximation of the sounds. Einstein beamed his approval. And this was followed by a dozen others. I could not shake my feeling of awe over the way this great man, into whose company I had been thrown by chance, was completely preoccupied by what we were doing as though I was his sole concern. 
We came at last to recordings of music without words, which I was instructed to reproduce by humming. When I reached for a high note, Einstein's mouth opened. His head went back as if to help me attain what seemed unattainable. Evidently, I came close enough, for he suddenly turned off the phonograph. Now, young man, he said, putting his arm through mine, we are ready for Bach. As we returned to our seats in the drawing room, the players were tuning up for a new selection. Einstein smiled and gave me a reassuring pat on the knee. Just allow yourself to listen. He whispered, that is all. It wasn't really all, of course. Without the effort, he had just poured out for a total stranger. I would never have heard as I did that night for the first time in my life, box sheep may safely graze. I have heard it many times since. I don't think I shall ever tire of it because I never listened to it alone. I am sitting beside a small round man with a shock of untidy white hair and a, a dead pipe clamped between his teeth and eyes that contain in their extraordinary warmth all the wonder of the world. When the concert was finished, I added my genuine applause to those of the others. Suddenly, our hostess confronted us. I am so sorry, Dr. Einstein, she said, trying uh, with, a, with an icy glare at me, that you missed so much of the performance. Einstein and I came hastily to our feet. I am sorry, too, he said. My young friend here and I, however, were engaged in the greatest activity of which man is capable. She looked puzzled. Really? And what is that? Einstein smiled, put his arm around my shoulders, and he uttered ten words that, for at least one person who is, on, who is in his endless debt, are his epitaph, opening up yet another fragment, uh, I'm sorry, opening up yet another fragment of the frontier of beauty. You see, Einstein was to this author exactly what the Holy Spirit is for you. Always has time, always is patient, always will sit with you, always will help you, always will teach you, wants to help you look into parts of who you really are, parts of your heart that you probably can't believe are there. And you can only see it when you do it in partnership with him. This young man would have never been able to see those things if somebody hadn't showed such, in honesty, such love, such love to a perfect stranger to say, what matters to me most is to value you above all else, to show you something amazing and beautiful about your heart you've never been able to experience before. Your destiny is an amazing, amazingly beautiful, but yet not yet fully explored frontier. And the Holy Spirit is jealous to go explore it with you.
discover those things about you you just don't even know yet. What do they say about our mind? We use only 5% or something like that, and I think 10%. And I think they think Einstein used a little more of that, maybe more like 15%. But can you imagine if God really got a hold of us? Can you imagine? Wow, if we really let him in all the way, what, would, what could happen? Wow. I want to just close with one last thing. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I want to just pray over y'all. That's okay with you. you just uh, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. Thank you, Jesus, that you... Um, Just like even when we've said no, like that man, we've said no to you in different parts of our heart, different parts of our lives. We've said no. Maybe we've known, we've realized it or not. We've, we've said no. We know it can't be possible. That can't work. I've tried that. It didn't work. It's not going to work if I try it again. But you know, <laughs> you see right past our fears. You see right past our insecurities, God. Hmm. You know how different it would look if we were to try these things with you. What I want to do right now is just speak to that part of your heart that's been stuck needing to criticize and judge yourself that part of your heart that learned so very, very, very long ago that it felt just a little bit safer to criticize yourself on the inside. It kind of took the sting off the judgments and the harsh words that came from the outside. Kind of helped you control things a little better. you could keep control of what God said on the inside, then the things on the outside just weren't quite so hard to handle. Holy Spirit is sitting next to you right now. He has all the time in the world. <laughs> He's not frustrated with you. He's not annoyed with you. He's not mad at you. He wants to sit with you and help you look into your true heart and see who you really are. Okay. Holy Spirit, what would it look like if I could see myself right now with your eyes. And if you are tired of always sort of 
holding all the balls, just keeping all the measurements going, all the comparisons, all the, all the effort to try and be good enough to try and, and prove that you're measuring up. What would it look like if instead you said, Jesus, you're the one who measured up for me? I can't. It's exhausting. I'm tired. But you measured up for me. <laughs> I don't have to live my life judging, measuring, comparing anymore. Striving to be something somewhere for someone. I'm enough right now for you. I'm seeing right now almost an exchange taking place like your old glasses. You when you wear glasses, you have to get them upgraded now and then because your vision changes. I think for some of you, your vision just changed a little bit. If you're ready to give him those old filter of viewing yourself with judgmental, critical attitudes, and accept in exchange his way of seeing you. His lenses, just let. I ask you, God, to make that exchange. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, and I just pray for all of us to help us continually look into this mirror that says you're enough. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. Being your true self is enough. So parents are... Um, God's got you in a place. I want you to stay there right now because I know he's doing some things in some of you. And um, those parents can go and pick up their kids now. I feel like there might be someone um, here Who's believing, oh, you just don't know. It's not going to work for me. And I feel like the Lord wants to tell you right now. It's only not going to work for you if you're going to insist on that being your reality. that's not my reality would you like to look at my reality 
all I see is colors when I look at your life. I don't see any gray. I don't see any drab. I see colors. I see flowers. I smell fragrance. And I say, you are good. You are good. You are good because I am good within you. So I'm just going to have you all just take a nice deep breath, just deep breath. And Jesus, for all that you're accomplishing and will continue to accomplish, I ask you to seal that all, God. Thank you, Lord. You never get tired of being with us and visiting us and helping us understand the reality of your very experiential love because you are love and everything about you oozes the love that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to add one more thing. Russ is encouraging me. Um, yeah. You know, there's a scripture that talks about out of our bellies flows rivers of living water. And the truth is, and that's what I saw um, when I was part of the, in that visitation with God. He showed me that that river of living water, the, the river that comes from heavenly places, flows through the core of your being. Which is why when we get in deep places of, of worship, we're, start, we're able to start connecting. And you're like, how come 10 minutes ago I couldn't connect and now I can't? Because we're tapping into that river that flows through you continuously. We just, we're just often out on the surface. We're not connecting because we're not tapping into the deepest places of our heart. It's in that deep place of our heart that river flows. Each and every one of you, you invited Jesus into your heart. He opened up that place, that river flows. That river flows with life. So I pray, God, that that river, the flow of that river would Increase even now. Expand and increase the life that flows in us, God. Ooh, to the proportion we are ready to say yes. <laughs> Do so, God. Yea, God. In your name. Ha, and um, so I'm just going to invite anybody who might be on the ministry team can come forward if you want. But I really think this would be a very good night to just really sit with God for a little while, too. It takes a while for revelations to trickle in. How many of you know? I mean, Yvonne told me she had this great breakthrough some weeks ago, but it just has continued to trickle and trickle and trickle as we start getting a revelation about who we are. He loves you so much. He is so not impatient with you. He is so glad for this journey you're on. Yeah. I bless you all, Jesus. Amen.
So for those of you who want to just stay present with your heart with God, Todd just felt led to come in and just um, play over you. So, you. so you can just sit and soak if you want. There's some people to pray for you if you want to come forward. But I do encourage you to talk softly so if there are people still engaged that uh, they're not, um, it's not too hard for them to concentrate on just what God's doing. Thank you.